0: Turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. As we continue this morning with our thought, the mythology of modern science, we're reading in 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 11. Paul, in writing, to his spiritual son Timothy, says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I charge... I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Then down to verse 20. He ends this letter with these words. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. Now turn back to the book of Colossians, chapter 2. In verse 2, it says that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Verse 3 says, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Pray with me. Here this morning. Heavenly Father, we do come before you today. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather one with another in your name, in your presence. Lord, we thank you for your bountiful provision unto us through thy word. We ask you to quicken us today, Lord, by your spirit. According thereto, speak to our hearts. Establish us in the way, in Christ. We pray that you would have your way. Orchestrate, guide, grant me articulation, I pray, Father. That we might indeed know your ways and your truth. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we have learned in our study, the essence of sin is not merely man doing bad things, but rather it is man's unthinkable and unthankful quest to be God himself. But if man sinfully usurps the place of God, then he must do away with God. As the old wicked, atheistic philosopher, Jean-Paul Sartre, he said, I became so sick of God watching me that I took him into my basement and threw him away. You see, this becomes the necessity of men that want to usurp themselves as God and rule their own life. They then must do away with God. That's the occasion of the raging of the heathen when you preach the gospel on a college campus. You are reminding them of the existence of that God that they're trying to do away with. But if any man seeks to do away with God, he has a very big problem. Because apart from the Christian God, How can finite man explain and account for the fine-tuned universe, complex life, man, logic, morality, human dignity, and so forth? You see, autonomous man naively believes that he can get rid of Jesus and the Bible, but still hold on to science and logic and rationality and the uniformity of nature. But the truth is, he simply cannot do that as far as getting away with God and then rationally hold to science and logic and the uniformity of nature. But moreover, as we shall see this morning, although science is useful, amen, we love science, we're not against science, and science has his place. Nevertheless, science is limited, especially in addressing the real issues of life and existence. Sinful man falsely believes himself to be the paragon of existence, and he calls himself a scientific man. Moreover, he believes the great battle of life is between science and religion. In other words, man is progressing through science, but religion is an obstacle in the way, wanting to hold us back in the the days of antiquity. And it's time to progress and move on. And there is this battle that scientific man must wage to expose the paucity and the irrationality of religion. And thus he will chide the irrational and the emotional Christian as being religious. And thus, in his mind, unscientific. But you remember from last week, we learned that they have rigged the game. And, and, and what have they done to rig the, in the discussion here, they have redefined science to mean giving a, a naturalistic explanation to the world. Therefore, true science only gives naturalistic explanations for the existence of the world. Thus, if you have a supernatural explanation, you're disqualified from even entering into the debate. And you notice when you're talking to them and you'll quote the Bible, you know what they'll say? Well, that's a religious answer. You know, you think for a minute they were going to say, that's irrational or that's illogical. But they say, that's religious. What are they doing? You see, they're showing you that even though it's not irrational and it's not illogical, don't you know the rules? You can't have religious answers. That's not lawful. You see that? And so, so they just make the announcement and arbitrarily declare, no, 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 religious answers aren't allowed here. That's what they're doing. And sadly, we let them get away with it. However, as we have learned, sinful man's ultimate commitment is to what? Is he committed to science? Is he committed to logic? Is he committed to rationality?
1: Is he really committed
0: to philanthropy and the advancement of humanity? Yeah. What's he committed to? Yeah. Himself. His own godhood. Thus, unregenerate man is an inexcusable and hypocritical rebel who merely seeks to use science to justify his selfish quest. And i tell you, all evolution is, is scientific permission to reject God. That's it. That's all. And it's not really true science with science falsely so-called. But in order to use science for his purposes, the unbeliever must first hijack and redefine science. Therefore, when they say science, they mean not observing phenomena in nature with your senses that can be repeated. That's not what they mean. When they say science, they mean a naturalistic explanation of the universe. But the irony is this. Science is the child of Christianity. And if you want to see them rend their clothes, you just tell them that right there. They'll think you just blasphemed. One man said, men became scientific because they expected law in nature. And they expected law in nature because they believed in a lawgiver. Science can only be done in a Christian universe. And we will bear this out. What we must understand is this. Science does not stand on its own. They just want to declare science. But science is dependent upon many things. One of them being the uniformity of nature, which is only intelligible In a Christian universe. Therefore, science does not replace God. But rather, it is utterly dependent upon God. In fact, many of the major fields of science were founded by theists. There's a huge list. I just took a few of them. Bacteriology, founded by Pasteur. Gravitational theory, Newton. Chemistry, founded by Boyle. Electrodynamics. Founded by Faraday. Thermodynamics, Kelvin. Genetics, Mendel. Oceanography, Maury. Mr. Maury saw Psalms 8 and 8 that spoke about the paths in the seas and he discovered the currents in the oceans through the Bible. Stratigraphy, which is the study of rock layers, steno, electrodynamics, James Clark Maxwell, taxonomy, Linnaeus. In other words, the major branches of science were founded by men who were theists. In fact, from the year 1900 to 2000, 65% of Nobel Prize winners, the highest award in science, was taken by theists. So Christianity and science are not at odds. The conflict is not between science and God or science and religion, but between the worldview of Christian theism and naturalism. You see, it's impossible that the conflict be between science and God, for science is merely knowledge And all the treasures of knowledge are found in Jesus Christ, the Creator. Furthermore, Christianity does not violate any laws of logic or rules of rationality. In fact, Christianity is perfectly consistent with the evidence of reality. You know, for a long time, scientists held to what was called the steady state theory for the universe, thinking the universe was eternal. But then you know what? They realized it had a beginning. But if they had just looked in the Bible, it was there all along. Everything we find in nature, it doesn't prove the Bible, but it confirms it. What do we see? We see kinds reproducing after their kind. Just like the Bible says, dogs have dogs and cats have cats. The fossil record in accordance with the testimony of Noah's flood. Ubiquitous evidence in nature confirming a young earth. Everything is consistent with the Scriptures. In fact, although the Bible is not a scientific textbook, it is absolutely perfect scientifically. The first operation was performed not by a surgeon, but by God himself. And what did he do? He put Adam to sleep. You see, he knew about anesthesiology long before men did. Circumcision, it's on the eighth day. Why? Because scientifically, that's when the blood clots for a baby. The Bible says that life is in the blood. You know how George Washington died? They let out all of his blood. And there's a Bible sitting on the nightstand by his, his bedside. You see, life is in the blood. You want to know what's wrong? You can go to the doctor. They'll take blood and they can tell you all sorts of things about you. Quarantine. That was set forth in the scriptures. Washing your hands in running water. Doctors having all sorts of problems washing them in a little basin. Started doing it in running water. All these things were already in the scriptures. Moreover, modern science is just as religious as Christianity. You see, what is religion? Well, here's a a definition right out of the dictionary. A particular system of faith or beliefs concerning the cause, nature, and purpose of the universe. Sounds like modern science is a religion to me. And what we have is indeed a battle. A battle between the religion of Christian theism versus the religion of anti-Christian theism. And one of the most prominent subdivisions of anti-Christian theism is naturalism, which is what modern science has become. So what are the differences between Christianity and naturalism? Well, according to naturalism, all that exists is the universe. As Carl Sagan said, the cosmos is all there is or was or ever will be. Now, is that a scientific statement? Has he verified that scientifically? No, it's a a nice announcement. It's wrong, but it's not scientific. You know what that tells us? Not all statements made by scientists are scientific. Therefore, according to naturalism, there is nothing transcendent or beyond the material universe. Now, I've just got to clue you in to a new theory that is in vogue now. And it is called the multiverse theory. Raise your hand if you've heard about the new multiverse. Anybody in here heard of that? This is bizarre and very unscientific. What is the multiverse theory? You see, if there is only one universe, then you may need a fine tuner to be sure that everything is just right for man to exist. So that we can carry on and life can be possible. But according to the multiverse theory... There are an infinite number of universes, and they just keep multiplying. There is an infinite amount of universes, and in these infinite universes, there's an infinite amount of possibilities that can take place. And this theory, as I said, is vogue in science right now. Max Tegmark, this is a scientist from MIT. He wrote an article on this. Think about what he's saying. He says, could there be someone just like you out there? A person who is not you, but who lives on a planet called Earth with misty mountains, fertile fields, and sprawling cities in a solar system with eight other planets. The life of this person has been identical to yours in every respect. But perhaps he or she now decides to put down this article without finishing it while you read on. The idea of such an alter ego seems strange and implausible, but it looks as if we will just have to live with it because it is supported by astronomical observations. He says, The estimate is derived from elementary probability and does not even assume speculative modern physics, merely that space is infinite in size and almost uniformly filled with matter. As observations indicate, in infinite space, even the most unlikely events must take place somewhere. You hear that? Infinite space with infinite universes, even the most unlikely universe or er, incidences are sure to take place. There are infinitely many other inhabited planets, including not just one, but infinitely many that have people with the same appearance, name and memories as you who play out every possible permutation. So therefore, think about that. Very convenient for them to come up with this theory. And according to this theory, there's an infinite amount of universes with all the possibilities conceivable. Think about that. In fact, according to this theory, there's a universe out there somewhere just like this one, Except the Bob Brumfield in that universe is addicted to mayonnaise. (laughs) There's a universe out there somewhere. Everything's the same. Except the Brian Hammer is a lazy mooch who's on welfare. Can, Can you imagine that? In fact, there's a universe out there. Everything's the same. But there's no Eden lawn care. It's called the yellow fellows and they are walker fanatics. In fact, there's a universe out there. You better buckle up for this one here. (laughs) Everything's the same. Except Britt Williams is a pastor of the biggest mega church in America. And he preaches on once saved, always saved every week. And he wears skinny jeans. <laughs> and his wife, Mama B, travels around the world giving personal prophecy conferences. I mean, hey, the most improbable is probable. And not to leave you out, Brother Doug. There's a universe out there where West Texas is beautiful. Yes, sir. You see, <laughs> this is what the multiverse theory But as with every rejection of Christianity, there are problems. Number one being, is the multiverse a part of this natural universe? No. It would be supernatural, but hey, supernatural things are not allowed. Right? But here's the second problem. You know what Dawkins said? He said there is almost certainly no God. What? If in the multiverse, even the most probable things or improbable things are possible, there's a universe out there with the Christian God. Oh, not all that exists. According to Christianity, God is transcendent to the universe. Naturalism, Ultimate reality is matter and energy. And this is changing from the ultimate reality being quantum physics or a quantum vacuum, which is nothing. You know, there's books out there that you can get and read. One of these books written by one of the most esteemed scientists is called... Your inner fish. You you would think they'd want to kind of keep these things secret, but they're utterly unashamed. And you can read the book about your inner fish, Timothy. (laughs) When you used to, you know, have fish as your ancestors. There's also books out there called A Universe From Nothing. You see, that is what ultimate reality is for them. It's nothing. But here's how they explain it. They believe that nothing created everything. But when they begin to describe everything, what they will say is that if you look at at all of the, uh, the, the mass out in the universe, it's a positive number. But if you look at all the gravitational potential, it's a negative number. And the negative number is equal to the positive number, so they both cancel each other out. So really, nothing created everything, but everything is really nothing. So there's no problem at all. See, what I'm trying to get you to see is the utter absurdity of a worldview that would think they can do away with God and still explain the universe. So here's the question. Does science favor Christian theism or naturalism? Has science buried God? Well, first, let's consider a major misconception. And that is this, that religion involves faith. But science does not. You see, according to naturalists, faith is defined as believing when there is no evidence. They've redefined faith. There's an old song that says, faith is believing what you know ain't true. And the more absurd it is, if you just believe it, then oh, what great faith you have. Listen to what Dawkins said about faith. You see, they're redefining things. He said, faith is one of the world's great evils. Comparable to the smallpox virus but harder to eradicate. Faith is a belief that isn't based on evidence and it is the principal vice of any religion. Dawkins says, atheists have no faith. But then he writes a 400-page book called the, Athe- called the God Delusion, which sets forth what he believes. But he has no faith. Christopher Hitchens, he said, our beliefs are not beliefs. Think about that. You see, there's a great misconception that religion involves faith, but science does not. Well, what is faith? Faith is simply confidence in that which one cannot verify with their senses. Indeed, Christianity is believed by faith, but the faith thereof is supremely rational And furthermore, Christianity is an evidence-based faith. Amen. We have good evidence for what we believe. In fact, it says in John, and many other signs did Jesus do in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ. Amen. We have very good evidence for our faith commitment. However, what naturalistic scientists fail to recognize is that they live by faith as well. But the problem is their faith is irrational and even anti-scientific. You see, they have faith that science can be done. They have faith in the scientific method's ability to lead them into all truth. You see, they believe in the doctrine of scientism. And they will say that man can only know what science discovers. But has scientism ever been scientifically proven? No. It's a faith declaration. They have faith that their senses and their reason are valid. They have faith that they're actually seeing causation, which they can't do. In fact, I listened to a debate between some Theists and some atheists. And the atheists saying, I don't have faith, I have confidence. And the Christian apologist said, So you have faith. No, I don't have faith, I have confidence. He said, So what you're saying is you live by faith. No confidence. And the apologist said, Sir, the word confidence, it's a Latin word, a compound Latin word, coming from the word con, with, and fide, meaning faith. So what you're saying is you have faith as well. But the problem is, is that their faith is irrational. Because if a man believes, according to his worldview, that the beginning of everything was random chance, but now they have faith that the universe is going to be uniform and law-like and mathematical, that faith commitment is irrational. When you believe that your brain is just random, unguided chemical reactions... But then you have faith in those senses and those reason to lead you into truth. You see, they have faith as well. But their faith is utterly irrational. We have faith that our senses and reason are rational. But that's based upon the truth that they were created by an all-wise, almighty God who also created the universe which he upheld, upholds. Therefore, we can go out and do science. You see, there are other problems with scientism as well. Think about this. What does science really explain anyway? Here's a question for you. I want you to really put your thinking caps on here. What does Newton's theory of gravity explain? Mm-hmm. Huh? No. No. In fact, Newton even said, I've got no idea what gravity is. Yeah. He just set forth a theory which would show the relationship between two objects. One man was was chiding a, a preacher and he said, you say God's a spirit. What is a spirit? And he said, a spirit is something that's not extended into, uh, into space. Don't tell me what it's not. Tell me what it is. He said, well, I will if you'll just tell me what energy is. I mean, you're a scientist, a physicist. What's energy? MC squared. No, no, I didn't ask you to give me a mathematical formula. I want to know what it is. What's the ontological nature of it? Well, it's it's the ability to do work. No, don't tell me what it does. Tell me what it is. You see, this is the great deception of science. Science really doesn't explain the universe. They are just describing what the universe is doing. And because they are sesquipedalians who use words such as endoplasmic reticulum and Golgi apparatus and uh, cosmic microwave background radiation and ther- thermodynamics. You see, they're, they're cloaking their religion in scientific jargon. Therefore, it seems to be very impressive but they really can't explain the universe. As one man said, the great delusion of modernity is that the laws of nature explain the universe for us. The laws of nature describe the universe, but they really explain nothing. Consider two scientists, Sir Isaac Newton and Stephen Hawking. Newton discovered the law of gravity and he gave glory to God. Oh, wow, how glorious that God is using this to uphold His universe. Then along comes Stephen Hawking, one of the most famous scientists of our day. You know what he says about gravity? Listen to this. Because there is a law such as gravity, the universe can and will create itself from nothing. Spontaneous creation is the reason there is something rather than nothing. Why the universe exists. Why we exist. Thus it's not necessary to invoke God. Sheer nonsense. You see, that is akin to saying, because there is a law of internal combustion and mechanical engineering, a car can and will create itself from nothing. There's no reason to invoke Henry Ford. You see, when we speak about the phenomena of the universe, we've got to understand that there are different levels of explanation. Here's a scientific question for you this morning. Why is the water boiling? Huh? Who can break this down for me, Brother Leon? Why is that water boiling? Huh? Heat, that's right, coming through those coils. Going in the pan, those little molecules are starting to move around real fast and it gets hot. And That's not right, my brother. The reason the water is boiling is because I want a spot of tea. That's why. I mean, come on now. You should know that. That's why I've got the water on there. I want a cup of tea. You see, there's two valid explanations. There's both the scientific and the personal And here's the thing, the personal explanation does not contradict the scientific explanation, but rather it complements it. And in fact, I would say the personal explanation is much more practical and important than understanding the why behind the scientific explanation. You see, Newton's law of gravitation no more competes with God as an explanation of the universe than the law of internal combustion competes with Henry Ford as an explanation of the motor car. Do you see that? The personal explanation does not compete with the scientific. And this is what scientists, they want to tell you. Is it we believe in some kind of a God of the gaps, you know. I mean, a long time ago, there was a couple of cavemen there in their cave. And one of them said, mmm, what time is it? The other one said, hmm, it's time," And so he goes out the cave to go and find him something to eat. And all of a sudden, lightning. <laughs> we go running back into the cave. Oh, his friend said, what happened? He said, hmm, I saw a big, big fire in the sky. And the other one said, mmm, God must have done it. Yeah, 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 that's right. God did it. But now we go to college and we take classes in in atmospheric physics and we know that wasn't God. I mean, that's just something that we use to fill the gaps. But now science explains everything and we don't need God anymore. You see, that's the way that they look at it. But as we saw, science is not really explaining things. They're just describing things. As Christopher Hitchens said, he said, now that we've got these engines of knowledge, we've got the microscope and the telescope, you see. We don't need God anymore. You know what he's saying? Just because we can see something closer up, we no longer need to explain how it got here. That's brilliant, isn't it? (laughs) In reality, now that we can see the cell closer up, it ought to make us think more about where did this intricate, complex machine come from? You see, as I close here this morning, let me give you an illustration that will bring all of this into focus as it will show the limits of science. Let us imagine today That Autumn has made one of her beautiful apple pies. Amen. You ever had one of Autumn's apple pies? (laughs) Scrum diddly umptiousness itself in a pan. And she and Sister Becky take this apple pie down to LSU. They're having a world summit of scientists. A big symposium. And they have heard about Autumn's apple pie. And they want to analyze it. Sister Becky and Autumn head down there to LSU. They present said pie, and the scientists gather round. Well, the nutrition scientist, he will tell us about the number of calories in the pie and its nutritional effect, and will surely warn all fathers out there about the dangers that this pie could have on their children's pancreas. (laughs) The biochemist will then inform us about the structure of the proteins and the fats in Autumn's pie. But then the physicist, he'll come to the table. And he'll analyze the pie in terms of fundamental particles. But then, not to leave the mathematician out, he'll no doubt offer a set of elegant equations to describe the behavior of those particles. You see, what has taken place? We have certainly been given a description of the pie. Amen. And how its various ingredients relate to each other. But, after the great assessment of the pie, Autumn says to the esteemed scientist, I have a question for you. And she then asks these scientists, what is the purpose of the pie's Existence. In other words, why did I make the pie? Hmm. <laughs> They're all scratching their heads, looking at each other, and the smile on Autumn's faith on Autumn's face is evident that she knows the answer. You see, the only way that those scientists can know the purpose of the pie is if autumn reveals that to them. And so Autumn says, the reason I made this pie is because of beloved brother Charlie, (laughs) who has warned me to be very weary (laughs) of people like you that say that you can explain the universe without God. Do you see that? Now, it's no insult to their disciplines, to state their incapacity to answer that great question. They've done what they can do, but science is limited. You see, if if I wanted to know Brother Stephen, I could take him down to some hospital, put him in an MRI machine, get a CAT scan of his whole body, his brain, prod, poke around, take blood. I could do all of that. But can I ever get to know Brother Stephen unless he reveals himself to me? Do you see that? Ah, this is where we see the limitations of science. Yes, profitable, but limited. It's a wonderful tool of dominion which God has given us, but it must be kept as a servant and not a master. I ask you this morning, does the doctor who understands the human anatomy perfectly really know anything if he doesn't know the purpose of that individual existing Does the cosmologist who can break down all the particles and give you all the mathematical equations of the universe know anything if he does not know the creator of the universe and the purpose of its existence? You see, this is where we see the limitations of science. They can know many things. But they cannot know man's real problem or man's only hope because it cannot know what man was created for. Yes, science can describe, but science will never be able to answer questions regarding the origin, the purpose, the meaning, the problem, and the remedy for mankind and the universe. Because this is only known as the maker and creator and sustainer. Reveals these things to us in his word. Amen. Amen. You see, this book gives us the real answers. That give us the real why of the universe. And therefore, if a man doesn't know what this book says... He doesn't have any knowledge at all. And thus, he's not a true scientist. Let's stand here this morning. Amen. As it says in Proverbs, young people, bow down thine ear and hear the words of the wise and apply thine heart unto my knowledge. For it is a pleasant thing if thou keep them within thee They shall withal be fitted in thy lips, that thy trust may be in the Lord. I have made known to thee this day, even to thee. Have not I written to thee excellent things and counsels of knowledge, that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth, that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that sin, We know the purpose of our existence because we know our Creator. And He said that He has made all things for His glory. Lift your hands here this morning. Lord, we do rejoice. Lord, that indeed You have hidden these things from the prudent and the wise. But it has pleased You to reveal them unto such as us. Oh, God, I pray that you would grant us conviction. Establish us in thy truth. Lord, let us never be ashamed of you and your words before this sinful and irrational and adulterous generation. Help us, Lord, to be true and faithful witnesses for Christ. We ask it all. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. We'll take a short break and come back for church.